0: All right. right. Good morning, everybody. That's an inauspicious beginning. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) What do you think, Holmes? Okay. There we go thank you sorry we should have worked that out ahead of time i'm michael flake one of the pastors here whether you're cautious about jesus curious about jesus or committed to jesus there is room for you at lake forest davidson this is a safe place to learn to grow and to change so long as you don't have it all together you'll fit right in so good to be together as a church family this Sunday morning, live at 10 a.m., both online, Facebook Live, and in the field. Woo! We ask a few folks to join us today to kind of help us beta test how this would work before we open up signups after the service today and have anyone who wants to to join us next Sunday here at 10 a.m. in the field. As we come out of summer and into the new school year and just into the fall generally, though it will look different this year, We encourage everybody to get back in that rhythm of worshiping together on Sunday morning, whether online or in person. In fact, you'll notice, those of you online, we've set you up a little off-center so you feel like you're sitting out in the field with everybody else, uh, enjoying the service, worshiping together. We need to say thank you to a small army of people who have given their time, their energy, their expertise to make this possible. This is not the easiest way to do things, but it's a beautiful way to do things. So will you join me in thanking everyone who has worked extra hard these last weeks to make this happen. We had in practice on Wednesday night here, and uh, one of those little summer storms came up, and uh, we made memories. We made made memories. memories. We also got very wet. But that's how it goes. The fun thing about this is, as we do this a few weeks, I think we'll find some great volunteer opportunities, ways that you can serve, jump in uh, and serve, whether you've been here a long time or you're pretty new, ways you can jump in. Many hands makes light work with this kind of stuff, so we will look forward to having new folks jump in, jump in and serve. Today we continue in a series of sermons called Rebuilding. We are examining accounts from the life of Jesus in the book of the Bible called John, specifically so that we might take a major disruption and turn it into an amazing opportunity to rebuild a more Jesus Christ-centered life. And so we'll be looking at accounts of Jesus in the book of John, and we're encouraging everybody at Lake Forest Davidson during this series to actually read the book of the Bible called John. It's 21 chapters, and so that means you can read a chapter a day for three weeks, you can read it all in one sitting, or you can have your Bible app read it to you as you go into work or as you exercise. But we're asking everybody to read the book of John, know more about who Jesus is and who he's calling us to be, how he's asking us to rebuild. Today we want to look at the life of Peter. Peter is one of the most famous early Christians, but he didn't always start out that way. He was first introduced to Jesus by his brother Andrew, and he had a long journey between being introduced to Jesus by his brother and ultimately becoming a significant leader in the early church. My friend and my colleague, Dr. Bud Brainerd, was scheduled to preach this morning and sadly learned yesterday morning that his brother, Alan, had passed away. Uh, This was uh, Alan had been doing very poorly and then very well and then very poorly and then okay and then had passed away. And so it's been a real roller coaster for uh, Alan, his family. Alan lives in um, Florida with his husband, Ken. Uh Kenny and uh, Bud and Becky, Bud is his brother, and Becky, his wife, are here. And so just the separation, the inability to be with someone you love, and then ultimately to lose someone you love, it's been a really, it's been a hard time. I've been encouraged to see how the church family has come around, Dr. Bud and Becky, during this time. Here, here's a man, a pastor, who has cared for so many of us in our time of need, and now we have the chance to care for him and, and his wife Becky in their time of need. So I've been encouraged to see that. Uh, I also say to each of us that let's continue to do that. And though he may not be able to respond to every note, every card, every call, I know they mean a lot based on what he told me yesterday morning. So uh, I would just ask us to keep Dr. B and Becky in prayer, keep Ken in prayer. It's just a hard time. We know many folks across the world are affected by this pandemic, but. Uh, when it hits this close with one of our own pastors, it, it, it's a deep thing, and we want to keep that keep Bud lifted up and, and cared for well. Bud is also an organized enough man. He basically handed me a workable sermon in his binder. This is Dr. B's binder here. Uh, so I'm going to put my own spin on it, but mostly this is his work. And so I'm going to keep some of his turns of phrases. I'm going to keep a couple of his jokes. And if you know Dr. Bud, you're going to hear him in this. So I, I I want us to all dive in together and learn by what God would have us to learn through uh, this sermon uh, that Dr. Bud gifts us with. Dr. Bud begins. I want to introduce you to my friend Peter, sometimes called Simon Peter. I've known Peter for a little over forty years. Dr. Bud writes. He lived on a small seaside village on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. I've learned a lot about Peter. I relate to Peter in some ways. I'd like to pass along to you some of what I've learned about him and it's going to work in such a way that we'll eventually wind up back at that passage Andrew read for us earlier, what's often called the reinstatement of Peter after his own failures. The first thing I've learned about Peter, number one, number one, number, number. Actually, Dr. Bud wouldn't do that, would he? No, Dr. Bud would not do the number, number, number. The first thing I've learned about Peter, Peter was a family man. Peter's first job was working in the family fishing business. He worked alongside his brother Andrew. We don't know if his father was active in the company or if he was even alive, but we know that Peter and his brother worked side by side on the boats and the nets. The truth is family businesses can be tricky. Conflict at home, conflict at work easily spill over to the other. But all evidence points to the fact that Peter had a great relationship with his brother Andrew. In fact, it was Andrew who first met Jesus, and the first thing he did was introduce Peter to Jesus. We know that Peter was married. We know, according to the book of Acts, that his wife actually accompanied him on at least one of his jer- uh, significant journeys. The truth is, no married person is effective in ministry without a supportive spouse. Peter was a lucky man. So am I, writes Dr. Bud, And so am I, says Michael Flake. Peter cared about his family. When his mother-in-law became ill, he asked Jesus to come to her house and to heal her. Peter was a man of great passion, but we don't want to lose sight of the fact he was also a man of great compassion. The second thing I've learned about Peter over the years was that Peter was an inquisitive person. Peter asked a lot of questions. One day, Jesus gave his disciples the opportunity to be released from their commitment of following him. And Peter was the first one to ask the question, Well, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where shall we go? Many times the disciples would not understand Jesus or the point of his teaching, and often it would be Peter to pipe up and say, Well, Jesus, will you explain that parable to us? Will you explain this teaching to us? One day Peter came to Jesus and asked this question, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? as many as seven times now what we know about peter and his personality is that he's a man of action so yes he would wa- and sometimes a little bit impulsive so perhaps he wanted to know how far he could go before he could actually get even with the person how many times would he have to forgive him before he could respond the way he felt like in his heart to respond up to seven he was a little surprised by the answer jesus gave Seven did not begin to, not even begun to fight at seven. When Jesus was leading the Passover meal, which we now celebrate as the communion or the Lord's Supper, Jesus said that one of his disciples would betray him. Peter leaned over to his buddy John and said, You should ask who that's going to be. And then after the supper, Jesus told his disciples that he had to leave them. Peter asked, Where are you going? Jesus said, Where I'm going, you cannot follow. And so Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? He was an inquisitive man. He had a lot of questions. And he wasn't afraid to ask those questions. Maybe you relate to that. I still have questions. Dr. Budd, according to what he wrote, still has questions. Jesus welcomes our questions. The truth is, if we never ask the questions, we may never know the answers. Peter had questions he was not afraid to ask those questions the third thing I've learned about Peter over the years is that Peter was an insightful person he was an insightful person he was often the first to come to an important insight that may go along well with being an inquisitive person he was an insightful person I feel like the old preachers now I gotta I'm getting fired up the first wedding I ever did, was in July in the rock quarry. You were there. It was 100 degrees at game time. This is nothing. And I don't have a black robe. I wear robes at weddings, you know. And tennis shoes, robes and tennis shoes. (laughs) Number three, Peter was an insightful person. He was often the first to come up with an important insight. For example, after Peter asked Jesus, to whom shall we go? He then said, because you are the one who has the words of eternal life. That's something worth remembering, an insight worth holding on to, so important that John recorded it in his gospel. Peter went on to say, We have come to believe and to know that you, Jesus, are the Holy One of God. Maybe one of his most famous insights came when Jesus and the disciples were in the Caesarea Philippi area. Because people had been saying about Jesus, He was John the Baptist, He was Elijah, He was one of the prophets, But Jesus turned to his disciples and said, but who do you say that I am? Peter was the first to speak up. You are the Messiah. This is also something worth committing to our memory. Not only did Peter have the insight that Jesus has the words of eternal life, he had the insight that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus was the Savior, Jesus was the Holy One of God. There were many times in Peter's life when he got it. And often what those insights have in common is he got it when he was spending time with Jesus. The same is true for you. The same is true for me. If we want more insight into who God is, into who Jesus is, into who God the Holy Spirit is, we recommend, I recommend you spend more time with Jesus. Part of why we're encouraging folks to read through the book of John is just that. We come to a clearer vision of who God is and thus who we are in God's sight as we spend more time with Jesus. Because everything we need to know about God, about Jesus, about His birth, His life, His death, His resurrection, it's all contained in the Scripture, in the Bible. So as we want to come to better insights about God, spend time with Jesus. In other words, read your Bible. If you don't want to read your Bible, read somebody else's. That's a Dr. Bud joke. <laughs> That's good. Spend time reading the Bible and spend time in prayer. And a challenge that Dr. Budd gives us of how to find insight in prayer is to listen more and talk less. Listen more and talk less. Sometimes people will say, I don't pray because I don't know what to say. No worries, no problem. Don't talk. Just be still. Just spend time with God. Even if neither of you feels like you have to talk, and what you may find in the midst of it is God does begin to speak to you through the quiet, through a still and small voice, through the words of the Scripture, through the wisdom of of godly friends. Peter listened to Jesus all the time. And because of that, he started to get it. It took him a while, but he started to get it. You and I have the same opportunity through the scripture, through prayer. So number three was that he was an insightful person. Number four about Peter, Peter was an impetuous person. He was impetuous. He was often hasty. He engaged his mouth. He engaged his brute force before he engaged his brain. There was one specific day where the disciples were out on a lake and a big storm blew up. As you probably know, storms can come out of nowhere. The disciples saw something you don't see every day. They saw a man walking on the water. Somebody says it's Jesus. And so Peter decides, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. No other disciple asked to do that. They were probably content to let Jesus catch up to them and get in the boat. But not Peter. He could not wait. At the risk of getting wet, which he did, he walked out onto the water only to have to be rescued and pulled out by Jesus. On another occasion, Jesus was telling his disciples they couldn't follow him into Jerusalem. It was going to be a dangerous place. Peter insisted he would lay down his life for Jesus. He would not abandon Jesus. He would never deny Jesus And Jesus had to tell Peter, not only will you deny me once, you will deny me three times. Later that day, they were in a garden. They were praying. When Jesus had finished his prayer, they were leaving. They ran into an ambush of Roman soldiers. That's when things got dicey because Simon Peter grabbed a sword and lopped off a guy's ear. Jesus told his disciples, you will fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But after I've risen, I will go to Galilee. And Peter said, no, 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 Jesus, even if all these other jokers fall away from you, this is a very loose translation, even if all these other jokers fall away from you, I will not. Those proved to be empty words. Being impetuous is a character trait that many of us share with Peter, is it not? It requires a lifetime of being with Jesus to come to a place where we might think before we act, think before we speak, or better yet, pray before we act, pray before we speak. Taking that moment to think, that moment to pray, might help us remember to ask, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus have me do in this situation? instead of just engaging our actions or our words before we engage our brain or engage our relationship with God. So fifth thing I've learned about Peter, Peter was an imperfect person. Peter failed as often as he succeeded. Perhaps his most public failure came after he lopped the guy's ear off. The man was named Malchus. Poor Malchus's ear. A good band name, potentially. Malchus's ear. But after he had lopped off the guy's ear, he's in a courtyard. Jesus is being interrogated not far from there. And someone asked Peter, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? That's not a complicated question. You, it's hard to misunderstand that. And Peter said, no, I'm not. Another person asked, no, I think you are one of Jesus' disciples, aren't you? And Peter again said, no, I'm not. To add insult to injury, one of Malchus's relatives was in the garden and asked him, aren't you the guy? No, I'm not, Peter said. It is often cute when small children do something wrong and then act like it wasn't them. It is sometimes cute when that happens. But it is not cute when that is adults doing that or teenagers or young adults doing that. Because part of maturity is learning to, learning to own up to our mistakes. And that requires humility. That requires integrity. That requires bravery to stop putting out the face that we're perfect. I, Dr. Bud writes, am familiar with the temptation to deny failure. I suppose I should own up to that too. And I suspect many of us feel the same way. Choosing to be part of the crowd over admitting our association with Jesus is easy to do. It can feel safer. When we deny our association with Jesus, we imagine we're avoiding being judged or laughed at or persecuted. But Jesus tells us we're blessed when we're persecuted for his name's sake. And we fail. We all sin. We all fall short. And when we realize that Jesus knows our failures, we often do what Peter did. When he went out and wept bitterly, grief is a healthier response to our failures than denial is. Grief is a healthier response to our failures than denial is. I have failed often, Dr. Bud writes. Okay, that's true for me too. I have failed often. I have and still do fail in big ways and small ways in how I follow Jesus. And the truth is, I hate it after the fact. Maybe you relate to that. If so, please pay careful attention to the sixth thing I've learned about Peter on his journey. Because this is where the rebuilding began. Rebuilding after his failure. His imperfection. In fact, denying Jesus three times. The sixth thing I've learned about Peter is that Peter was a forgiven man. He was accepted for who he was and given a fresh start. Peter was a forgiven man, accepted for who he was and given a fresh start. So Jesus had died upon a cross. Jesus had been laid in a tomb. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead, never to die again. Never forget that part. The last time Peter had seen Jesus... He was in the process of denying him publicly and repeatedly. And now comes John chapter 21, what Andrew read for us earlier, in something that we might describe as awkward. Because Peter, last time he saw Jesus, was denying him. Jesus died. Okay, but now Jesus is raised. And the man you denied has come looking for you. And Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Now he's asking Peter if he loves him in the same way and to the same degree that Jesus loves Peter because the word he uses is the word for unconditional love. Do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me? And that's the love that God has for us. Do you love me, Peter, in the same way that I, Jesus, love you? Don't you imagine Peter felt the sting of his failure yet again? He could not do what Jesus was asking. So Peter does say he loves Jesus, but he doesn't use the word for unconditional love. He uses the word for loving like a brother. Which is good. But loving someone like a brother and loving someone unconditionally is not exactly the same. But when Jesus hears his answer, what does he say? He says, feed my sheep. In other words, tell others about who Jesus is and what Jesus has taught and what Jesus has done, what Jesus does for everybody who believes. Jesus is showing Peter that he's still counted him as being among one of his disciples. He's still trusted. He's still forgiven. He's still commissioned to spread the gospel, the good news, the the message, and the ministry of Jesus. He's still in. Feed my sheep. And that's beautiful. And for Peter, it's even more beautiful that the awkward is now over. Or so he thinks. Because Jesus looks at him a second time. Could have been moments later. Could have been minutes later. Could have been hours later. I've always thought probably moments or minutes. He says, Peter, do you love me? The same question. And do you love me in the same way to the same degree that I loved you? Do you love me unconditionally? Don't you imagine Peter felt felt the failure again? He can't do what Jesus is asking. So Peter admits to Jesus again, says, I do love you. But he uses the word for, I love you like a brother. And that's good. But loving someone like a brother is not the unconditional love that Jesus has for us. But even in that admission, what does Jesus tell him again? Take care of my sheep. You're still in. And then Jesus does something last. When I imagine Peter still feels unworthy... He can't really imagine that Jesus actually is forgiving him. He's having a hard time knowing he failed the test. Jesus was setting the bar here. He says, I can come in here. He didn't measure up to what a real disciple, a real follower of Jesus should be. Have you ever felt that way? That you don't quite measure up? I know I have. So what is a sinner supposed to do? What is a Savior supposed to do? This is when Jesus asked the question a third time, Peter, do you love me? But this time Jesus does not ask, do you love me unconditionally? The third time Peter, asked, Jesus asks, do you love me like a brother? Instead of keeping the bar at unconditional love, he lowers it to the point he knows Peter is at. Peter can be honest with Jesus, and wherever Peter is in his ability to love Jesus, to be the disciple of Jesus, Jesus shows him that that is enough. Jesus asks Peter, do you love me like a brother? It hurts Peter at some level, but then I imagine with tears in his eye, he says, yes. Can you imagine what it feels like for God to accept you just where you are? jesus knows better than any of us that it's not our ability to be faithful it's not our ability to be perfect it's not our ability to always do the right thing that makes us worthy in his eyes because it's jesus love for us it's his death on the cross that paid for every sin it's his resurrection that makes us worthy we are made righteous. we are made right with God. We are made to, we are put into a right relationship with God. We are rebuilt, but we are rebuilt through the righteousness of Jesus. not our own, not our own ability to say, "Oh, I will love you God unconditionally," but God being willing to come to us where we are and change the question, "Well, do you love me like a brother?" as Christians and if or if you're become a Christian you cannot add to you cannot subtract from your rightness with God you cannot add to or subtract from your right relationship with God because that rightness that righteousness the rightness is the rightness the righteousness that God gives us as a gift it's settled we are forgiven We are accepted no matter how many times we mess up, no matter how many mistakes, big or small, that we make. Peter felt like he had destroyed his life, destroyed his reputation, destroyed his relationship with Jesus, and there was nothing he could do to rebuild it, and he learned the greatest news of all. It doesn't matter how much you've done, how far you've strayed, how much you've destroyed— Jesus died, but he is risen, and he is coming to find the person who denied him, to show those people, us, you, me, that Jesus can take what is broken and rebuild it into something beautiful. Which gets me finally, number seven, number seven, point number seven. Gracious, Dr. Butt, seven points. I'll make it up to you next week. And have the sermon be pointless. Number seven. Peter went on to become a leader in the church. Peter went on to become a leader in the church. Not only did his failures not, were they not the end of his story, in fact, they were only the beginning of Peter's story. Peter went on to become a significant leader in the church. In fact, the very first sermon preached after the resurrection of Jesus is Peter. After Jesus is raised from the dead, ascends to heaven, Peter preaches a sermon. He became a spokesperson for the early Christians. He got called in when some early Christians were not doing what they should be doing, what's often called church discipline. Peter came to to eventually, we take from the words of Jesus, be martyred, killed for his faith. Peter's life was no longer about himself. Peter's life was about caring for the spiritual welfare and well-being of others. And it happened after he accepted the forgiveness and the commission of Jesus, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep, you denied me 3 times, but you've been reinstated. You said you loved me 3 times. I set the bar here, you admitted you couldn't get there. You understand how the world is, Peter, you and you understand what my love is because the whole point of my death and resurrection is meeting you where you are. The truth is Jesus desires to meet us where we are today too. And to take whatever struggles failures, mistakes we've had, and make those not the end of our story, but the beginning of our story, the, rebu- the beginning of something beautiful, the beginning of a rebuilding. And we can take part in that as well. It starts with a very simple question. Do you love me? Do you love me? So some questions, three questions just to reflect on this morning. The first question would be, how do you rebuild after failure, after mistakes? Are you more prone to to deny or to grieve? How do you rebuild after failure? The second question, have you accepted the forgiveness that Jesus offers you? And then sort of the third question, in what direction is your life headed? Have failures become the end of the story, or are they becoming the beginning of the story? Is there more ahead of you, caring for other people, feeding God's flock, caring for the people he's put in your life, spreading the good news of Jesus, exemplifying the ministry of Jesus? In what direction is your life headed? Peter was on quite a journey. Sometimes it was looking good, and sometimes it wasn't. But God was at work rebuilding what Peter had destroyed. The truth is, yesterday I was sitting on um, Dr. B's front porch, Dr. Bud's front porch, uh, and one of our ministry partners drove up because he had heard that Alan had passed away and he wanted to just be with Bud. And uh, I said, no, no, this is only for the professional Christians. You know, go on. (laughs) It was just beautiful. It was beautiful, uh, and so I, 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 want, I was going to give up my seat on the front porch so that the ministry partner could come in and, and be Bud's pastor. And um, so the last thing Doctor Bud said to me was, "Don't forget to call your brother." And I just, I, I'm struck by it. that's kind of where Peter's whole story began. Peter became this significant leader in the church but because his brother Andrew, who we actually never hear much about again, came and introduced him to Jesus. And so I don't know where all of that hits you, but I do know that God's put people in your life and in my life who we care deeply about. And I think part of what it means for us to rebuild after our own failures, after our own mistakes, Is to be willing to look out at the people in our lives and realize God's put them there for a reason, and God's put us in their lives for a reason. And I think part of that reason is to feed God's sheep, to take care of God's sheep, to not let our failures be the end of the story, but to rebuild a life in which God works through us to care for the people around us. God works through us to spread His good news that you can be forgiven. And your life can go in a different direction in Jesus' name. So I pass Dr. Bud's wisdom along to you. Don't forget to call your brothers, your sisters, and the people who are like brothers and sisters to you. You never know what God might do through that. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, a chance to talk to God, to listen to God about whatever he's stirring up in your heart or in your mind. Just take a quiet moment for personal prayer. Lord, we, like Peter, are complex people. We have things and people that we love, things that we're good at, character flaws that we cannot seem to shake. We have failures and mistakes. But we cannot seem to escape the gaze of your deep and compassionate eyes. And so, Lord, I pray that we would learn from Peter's journey that we would not only bring to you the beautiful and well-put-together parts of our lives, but that we would be willing to bring you even and especially the broken pieces of our lives and ask you, by your grace, with your help, to help us rebuild to change us, to make our lives less about us and more about others, to make our lives less about us and more about you. Lord, I pray for those of us who feel very much like Peter and John 21, where seeing you face to face would simply be awkward. And I pray we would be willing to answer that question you posed three times. Do you love me? Lord, thank you for meeting us where we are and pointing us in a new direction. We pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you are worshiping online, we would love to pray for you. Please send any prayer requests you have to DavidsonPrayer at LakeForest.org. And if you're able and willing to give a financial gift, you can do that at LakeForest.org slash give. All you folks in the field can do the same thing, but there's also a wicker basket on your way out the door. You can put a physical copy in there, too. All that to say, we love you guys. Let's worship together.